You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me once again on a Monday, he's back. It's Chris. What's going on, Chris? I'm good. I'm good. Missed you last week. Was on the road for work, but um, hope you're doing well and excited to talk to you, of course, as always. Of course. Yeah. Last week I, I couldn't, my cousin was in town as well. So like it was, it was mutual that we couldn't do it last week, but you know, tons of talk about this time. We're going to be talking about rookie mini camp, some of the good, the bad that we're hearing from that. And then of course, we're going to talk about Steve Wilkes because he had his very first press conference with the media this past week yeah we'll we'll talk about that but first let's talk about this rookie mini camp right the future of the 49ers set uh you know got onto the field friday and we got some reports out of that and we're hearing some good we're hearing some bad now i sourced the uh the good and the bad from grant cone i mean he always does the good and not so good um reports out of like any practice um and, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, maybe don't drive with Grant Cohn, but that's okay. You know, we'll kind of try to uh, rationalize some of what he put there. We're not in the building, right? So it's like we we got to listen to our eyes on the inside. And so Grant's one of those guys. Matt Barrows also had some reports that we'll share for you guys. And so let's talk about it. In the good column. Grant had Jair Brown, no surprise there. I mean, I believe he he said Brown looked like a three-year vet already, like as far as his like body, um, you know, just how he kind of carries himself, all very good things. Yeah, built built like a third-year pro is what he said about him. Um, and he said the same thing about Daryl Luter as well, who also made the good list. Brayden Willis also made the list, Ronnie Bell. And Ronnie Bell was one that Matt Barrows also noted that, you know, he made a lot of catches. The one thing Grant said about Ronnie Bell is, like, his size, he's he's smaller. He looks like a college player. Um, but it's hard to argue with the production, right? So he was able to, you know, make some impressive catches in practice and uh, definitely seems to be, you know, kind of a – um, he puts his body on the line kind of receiver. I mean, I, I joked that, you know, if you do a scouting report on Ronnie Bell, just based off of pictures like Google images, uh, you can come away with that much that he, he, he'll lay out for catches. He'll do some like crazy acrobatic things, good, uh, hand-eye coordination, so no surprise that he made the good list. Jalen Graham was another one. Uh, and Matt Barrows also pointed him out as someone who was tall, long-limbed, almost looks like a defensive end, he said. Um, and then he also pointed out uh, Kalan LeBourne, who is one of the undrafted free agent uh, running backs. And I, I've heard his name on and off. Like I know a lot of people were excited about that signing undrafted free agent so of course like not someone you're going to hear too much but from fans who you know I assume they've uh watched him you know at some capacity a lot of guys have said uh good things about him so and the other guy uh is uh Isaiah Winstead 
Ilm Mannings also made the good list. But the guy that's making the rounds today on, on Twitter is Jacor Pearson. And, and you've seen the video, right? Um, oh, yeah. Right, Chris? Yeah. yeah, at this point, I think uh, I think most of us have seen the video. I'll play it for you guys now. This guy looks quick, fast. So let's uh, let's share here what we got. One of my many tabs. We'll, we'll play it. He's fast. So he's this guy right here. And uh, the video will replay. So don't worry. But... Yeah, he's got some he's got some burners on him. Former XFL uh, wide receiver, so there he is. He just right off, right off the bat, beats his man. Um, yeah, that that's that's pretty it's pretty impressive. 49ers, they're not going to be the only one uh, interested in Jacor, I would assume, because he was also invited to the Colts mini camp and then also the Falcons, if I'm not mistaken. So. Um, if he was doing that at their practice as well, I think there there might be some, some competition for his services. Yeah, so I was excited. You know, I didn't realize that um, he had gotten that invite for the for the mini camp um, until actually I started hearing about after the fact because once they solidified the invite invitee list, I didn't notice his name. I did watch some XFL games this year, mm-hmm. just you know they were on I didn't like necessarily go out of my way but um he did definitely stand out right in the XFL certainly different league um but sure it was still impressive led the league in receptions and receiving if I'm not mistaken um he definitely jumps out he'll probably be one of those players that um you know you got to kind of do some roster jockeying potentially if he still has a good, you know, OTAs and training camp, because he'd be one of those people that definitely get grabbed up um, somewhere else. Um, if even off of, a, of a, a practice squad. Right. So it will be interesting to keep your eye for us to keep our eyes on him. Um, I was excited to hear about the, uh, you know, the, 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 the practice that Braden Williams has had for the couple of days of meet on, on uh, rookie meeting camp as well. I, I don't know. Like, I really, I'm, I'm excited to see what, how he develops and what comes of him this summer. Even though he was the second tight end that you know the Niners took, you know, round seven after Latu was taken first. Um, I have more excitement around him than I do Latu. No knock on him. I just think that you know Braden Willis has been playing the position um, longer. I believe that he's also probably more of a familiar with the position, obviously of. Um, of tight end. And it sounds like he's, he's pretty good at, you know, uh, getting off of man coverage and so on. So and extending his, you know, uh, catch radius. So I'm really excited to hear about that. Obviously the returns on Tig Brown hearing those comments and such are exciting. Um, whether it's something that an opportunity for him to get into the lineup, you know, in, in this year, or is a, is a target for the future, uh, you know, to have a bigger role in the defense, he, he may be brought along similarly to um, how Talano Hufunga was, you know, splitting time with um, Jaquiski Tart and, and Jaquiski Tart's last year, um, Hufunga's first year. Um, he's a strong safety, right, Brown? Is he strong? Because he, yeah. he would be – okay, so he would be – so. um, Okay, so then he would uh, – he would be – He would be what – uh, Sean Gibson is right now. Sean Gibson, yeah. He'll be playing okay. Thomas with Sean Gibson, yeah. So, yeah, that'd be good to see. I also um, – I made note in my notes about the contested catches with Ronnie Bell because I remember you talking about that. I remember you talking about 
I kind of heard kind of both things, right? That he's great at contested catches, but I also heard he's kind of one of those players that may make a catch look to be a more challenging than it than it is, if that makes sense, mm. right? Because you know how like you have some receivers, for instance, who you know, um, I remember hearing, you know, coaches talk about, you know, actually in the NFL and in, in college about players who sometimes like leave their feet when they don't have to. He sounds like maybe one of those players that kind of does that. But that's a, that, that could be a comfort thing. Right. Um, yeah. You know, do what you got to do to catch the ball. I don't I don't <laughs> care. You know what I'm saying? So. But yeah. So I did note I did make note of that because I remember you mentioning that you're actually one of the first people I, that I heard say that. I'm excited about Darrell Luter, too, about how he continues to look over the summer, too, because. I um I'm not a big fan of player comps, but I I I will say I get like Emmanuel Mosley vibes from him in, in respect to how he's built um in the game film that I've seen him so far. So um yeah, sounds like rookie minicamp was definitely positive for the most part. Certainly there's gonna be some opportunities for improvement and opportunities for players to um, you know, continue to work on their bodies and such. Sounds like maybe D winners came in a little out of shape a little bit, but he's got some months to, 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 you know, work on that stuff. I think an off the field positive, albeit maybe a small one from um, rookie mini camp was all, I mean, when those guys hit the field, the entire class was signed. I mean, all the rookies were signed, all the undrafted free agents were signed. And that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to just get that out of the way, you know, and, and not have any of those contracts kind of hanging around or lingering Lord knows in the past we've had, um, some of those circumstances, you know, could be because we didn't have a first or second round draft pick. Maybe those, maybe that's where some of those contracts get kind of like, you know, uh, contentious. But still, regardless of this, the, the circumstances, it's great that all those guys were, um, you know, had put pen to paper before they went out there on the field and they could just practice on, you know, getting on, um, getting better. Yeah, I, I know someone like pointed out that it could have been the new CBA that now like the rookie oh, contracts okay. are way more simple. Really, all they have to hash out are the guarantees because that's really like the only difference. So that that could be uh, a good thing for teams and seem to to benefit the 49ers, certainly that they were able to get all of their uh, contracts done here you know, fairly early. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about the not so good of rookie tr- uh, mini camp. And, you know, I think we should take these all with a grain of salt um, and, you know, look at the context as well, not just look at, okay, they're under the not so good. Uh, Just think about why. And it's still early. It's May. So there's some times to correct some of these things. Right. So Cameron Latu, Grant Cohn put him under the not so good. Right. Uh, Matt Barrows and Grant did point this out. He does have the size of a veteran, um, you know, he so size is on his side that's good uh but one thing grant noted was he doesn't move with finesse and will need to improve his concentration in traffic the moving with finesse thing that was one thing that like i noticed when when i watched a little bit of him you know after the 49ers drafted him he looks like someone who's still learning the tight end position right and all that comes with that so he can learn that he he's got someone great to learn under like George Kittle, who I know at this point is comfortable being a bit of a teacher on this team. Um, you know, and so I, Latu will, will probably take some time. I kind of see him more as a project, you know, than anything, but 49ers obviously, you know, banking on him developing into that guy and, and they feel good about that. So 
not surprising to to hear that early. Um, and D Winters, you you pointed out right, he came in a little out of shape. Sometimes, I mean, that happens better now than you know at training camp, right? Because training camp, sure. it's like we're ready to go. We're gonna start making some decisions here, you know. Um, so it's okay that he's maybe a little out of shape. Uh, he has time to to get his body right uh, before you know the real football starts. Joey Fisher couldn't finish practice. That was one I was a little surprised about. I mean, he was an undrafted free agent that a lot of people were excited that the 49ers got. I was, I still am. Um, but, you know, as noted by a couple people who were there, he was the only player who couldn't make it through the entire practice. Um, he removed himself from a drill and, you know, spent some time cooling down. Uh, Santa Clara isn't that hot. It's, you know, it's not like it's a dry heat or anything like that. It's, you know, so, uh, hopefully, you know, he gets acclimated, not just to the weather, but maybe just the conditioning level of the NFL, but altogether, you know, I'm not overreacting over these not so good, um, you know, designations in rookie minicamp. Yeah. And an additional, um, Aspect of note, <clears throat> looks like Joey Fisher is the only undrafted free agent that had guaranteed money. So it's a pair, it appears to me that um, the Niners, you know, obviously um, are, you know, uh, feel have a good feeling about him as well. So, yeah, hopefully he's able to shake that off. Um, certainly in these, you know, dr from draft prep to, you know, uh, you know, uh, what's it called pro day prep and also, yeah. you know, the combine and so on and so forth. It may have been some time before he's been out there on the field. Um, it's definitely something to note notice. I guess you can say it's something definitely I'm sure that he would have not had happen on his first practice with the, with the squad. Um, um, but that being said, yeah, hopefully that's something that he can just kind of move beyond. Um, but yeah, looks like he's the only guy that had um, some guaranteed money on his, on the contract that he signed as an undrafted free agent. So We'll see. We'll see how it, how it goes with him moving forward. I mean, obviously, if like from the team perspective, right, giving someone a an undrafted free agent a guarantee tells you one, like you probably have multiple <laughs> offers from other teams. You know, let's sweeten the deal a little bit. Come to the 49ers. and two, it could also mean that they more more than likely think he will make the fifty three, right? Right. Uh, at the very least, the practice squad. Uh, so yeah, could mean either one of those two things, but you know, I'm, I'm, or even both, I, I'm just assuming that, you know, if all goes well in training camp and, you know, if the conditioning thing, if the heat, uh, exhaustion, uh, doesn't show itself too largely in, in training camp, uh, I would expect that he will be on this team. Now, a couple of other things of note that, um, Matt Barrows pointed out was how the linebackers were lining up, right? Because we, we talked about the 49ers, they um, brought in a lot of linebackers, two via the draft, and I think one or two uh, via undrafted free agency. Uh, so Mariano Sori Marin, or Marin, he lined up as the middle linebacker. D. Winters was the weak side linebacker or Drake Greenlaw's role. And Jalen Graham was the strong side linebacker, which is Oren Burks' uh, 
you know, spot to lose, right? As of right now, we're looking at Oren Burks as a guy, former Aziz Alshair role there. Um, so, yeah, that's how they lined up. Sorry, Marin, middle linebacker, the Fred Warner role, D. Winters, Dre Greenlaw role, and then Jalen Graham, the um, strong side linebacker, Aziz role. So that's about how I, I would have expected that going. I mean, not to say that, you know, a guy like D winters can't also be lined up in strong side for the Aziz spot. Right. I'm sure all those guys will probably be competing in some capacity for that role. Um, you know, at once training camp comes around, I would assume. No, I would agree too. And it's exciting to see, you know, that's the heartbeat of our defense, obviously, is, you know, our linebacking core, I think. Certainly, you know, the defensive line, I think it's the um, excitement and, you know, their their reputation precedes them. But, you know, with Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, I mean, I think that, um, you know, those are those are, the you know, the quarterbacks of the defense. So I believe that, um, you know, stepping into a room like that is probably somewhat intimidating. But then also there's a lot of expectation to come out of there as well. So. I, I think that's one of the position groups that the Niners do a really good job of drafting for. Um, yeah. At least in this, you know, this Shanahan and, and Lynch era, um, even previously. But at any rate, uh, I think that um, a lot's to be expected, really, um, from that group. So I'm excited to see how they how they look moving forward into this summer as well. And just hope everyone stays healthy there, because I think that um, they're, they're a key aspect to how the defense works and the way that our linebackers you know go you know cover sideline to sideline and up the seam and such I think it's different than any other team on the league yeah I I agree now uh let's talk about kickers (laughs) so Jake Moody we got to say Jake Moody you know kick some uh footballs down the uprights for time uh this video from David Lombardi and I'll I'll share it the practice so um, I mean, it is good to see, right? We we want to see that he's transitioning well into the NFL. And yes, it's just rookie minicamp, but it, this is a good sign. This is a good first start for uh, Jake Moody, being able to see those uh, balls go through the uprights. So um, I think for us as well, I think we need a lot of validation that this pick was the right one, you know, in the third round, right? Because I, I know a lot of us weren't, too happy about it. A lot of us, on the other hand, you know, are really happy with this pick. Um, but, you know, I think it's always great to see it in action. I agree. And probably for the first time in a long time, if ever, you know, from the 49ers perspective, we're going to start hearing a lot about, you know, definitely throughout the preseason. And I'm sure, you know, during the uh, during training camp, we'll hear reports on how he's looking more than you probably would in other kicker situations outside of like injury or something like that. But I will I mean, it sounds I don't know, this might sound like nerdy or whatever the case, but I am looking to looking forward to seeing his kickoffs. You know, I, I'm not a fan of getting, you know, you know, giving the, the return team something to bring bring back. So um, put the ball through the end zone, you know, make it easy on your return team. You know, set your defense up nicely. That's the kind of stuff that I'm really looking at him, looking for out of him. Not to mention the fact of making kicks, obviously. But um, you know, that's some of the stuff you know, from a preliminary standpoint. Comes preseason, I will be checking out on special teams. Yeah, absolutely. And like that's the one plus on Moody uh, over Gold potentially, right? Is that he could give you that uh, kickoff 
ability and he was damn good at it uh, in Michigan. So that could definitely be a boost for this special teams. Now, um, you know, friend of the pod, Jordan Elliott, uh, writer for Niners Nation, he wrote about, uh, you know, the fact he interviewed uh, Jay Feely and, and he asked him about Jake Moody. And I'll, I'll just share a little bit of it here. Uh, this is on Niners Nation, by the way. So make sure you guys check that out. This dropped today. Uh, great, great interview. I just wanted to point out some of the, you know, key things for me that stood out from this. Uh, Jay Feely said, I think kicking is the hardest position position for teams to evaluate. I mean, he pretty much said that, you know, teams don't always have a guy in the building to evaluate kickers that know um, anything about kickers or how to evaluate them. You know, and I feel like the 49ers have a great guy in Brian Schneider because all like any time that you hear about the 49ers picking Jake Moody, like why they did it, Brian Schneider, the, the 49ers special teams coach, you know, he pretty much vouched for him and he had him in a private workout. And, you know, based on how all of that went, you know, uh, Schneider banged the table for Jake Moody. Right. So. I, I feel confident that the 49ers do have a guy who can evaluate the position. So that's a plus, right? Um, the the one really big argument all the time about not drafting kickers early, I think, is like Roberto Aguayo, right? That Tampa Bay took uh, not too long ago. Uh, and he, Jay Feely, pointed that out. When I look at guys like Aguayo is a perfect example. Tampa, Tampa Bay moves up to take him. I was very critical of that pick because I didn't like his form. I didn't like some of the things he did, and I didn't think they would translate well into success, and they ended up not. So Jay Feely, a guy who knows a thing or two about, you know, kicking, right, wasn't a fan of that pick. So it's not always, oh, the the best kicker in the draft is always going to be the top guy in the NFL because some of those things don't translate. Jay Feely saw that. Um, we would hope that a guy like Brian Schneider could see some of those same things. What does translate well, right? And so Feely pointed out, I look at Jake, he has excellent form. It's repeatable form. He's been in high-pressure situations throughout his career at Michigan. I think that's another big thing that the 49ers like, really liked about Moody. He's been through tight games, tough games, game winners, bad weather, good weather, you know, all of it. And so I, I think that all plays into it. And so it sounds like, you know, Jay Feely has a lot of belief in Jake Moody. And I'm not going to go through the whole, um, you know, article here, but guys, check it out. I mean, it was actually pretty insightful from Jay Feely and uh, Jordan, who had the chance of interviewing him. I thought it was a really, really good piece. There was a podcast that I um, listened to sometime last season during the football season or that was that covered Roberto Aguayo and what didn't go well for him. And actually he was on the pod, like he's interviewed. It wasn't just an analysis and such. And it speaks to the challenges that he had had trend um, transitioning from college to the NFL. It's really, really good. I was trying to find the name of it, but I couldn't find it. Maybe I'll share it later or whatever the case, but um, his circumstance seemed a little bit to be an isolated incident um, as really, he, it, re- it really wasn't a matter of, um, you know, pressure and so on and so forth. He just had a, a, a difficult time adjusting, which could be the case for any NFL player, right? So I, I agree. I mean, unfortunately, because of his experience, his uh, circumstance, excuse me, people will say, oh, man, like, you know, don't forget, Roberto Aguayo was the, you know, 
most highly touted kicker coming out of college and, you know, he didn't work out. But I think when you peel back the onion a little bit there, there was more than just what was happening on the field. Um, not to try to rationalize, you know, the, you know, getting Jake Moody in the third round, but that's just some, that, that's just a reality situation. Yeah. 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 I know that, um, um, they were saying at Michigan that I think they said, uh, you know, there's three things you can rely upon, like death taxes and Jake Moody. So they have a lot of, you know, praise for him there as well. I'm really excited about the fact that he has played in high pressure games, made big kicks, played in bad weather, just like you said. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, time will tell. I think that certainly I have a question for you. Do you do you feel and this is obviously just your opinion, but like. I'm wondering how much pressure is on him, right? Because certainly he's hearing all this about, oh, I was picked in the third round, and they, you know, the Niners in the pros press conference afterwards, Shanahan saying if it was another team, I would have been laughing at them, and we did it ourselves, and you know those kind of things. Like I'm like, I'm wondering how much that, you know, uh, how much pressure or unease, you know, that may put him at, put on him as a kicker. I don't know. I guess time will tell. We'll see, but. Have you heard any of that stuff or have you, what do you think about, you know, potential of him having some uh, some pressure as a result of his draft pick and then also kind of like the statements that were made afterwards? Yeah, I mean, I think there is definitely going to be some pressure for him. I think it's important for him to have the right attitude towards pressure. Right. And I think in his career, at least in college, like he has proven to have that. And then like, you know, Jay Feely also pointed out that uh you know a lot of it is the mindset of of the kicker like that is something you also evaluate because can he miss a kick and can he go back out the next time and you know do it again not mix miss the kick but you know can he go out there and make the kick the next (laughs) time right or will he let that affect him the next time you know like that those are all things that you look into and you know I I think uh you know Feely was just saying like Moody's been a guy who has had struggles like and he pointed out when he uh did have to compete with uh Norton I forget the guy's first name but another kicker in Michigan in one of his early years there and that's when he kind of struggled but he was able to like overcome that right so it's about you know if you're gonna miss a kick you have to go out and make the kick the next time don't let it get you down so you know, we won't know. We won't know yeah. until like he actually goes out there and has to start kicking for this team in real pressure situations in a real game, you know, like so Yeah. We won't well, know for a few years, probably. Yeah, and I and I know I'm I'm probably going a little long talking about kickers, but one thing I will say is this, like I'm also curious as to you know, from the the coaching staff standpoint and emotional intelligence standpoint, right? Certainly he had that kicker competition that he was in in Michigan and, you know, obviously excelled, got the role, got the job and, you know, was the guy, you know, almost, I almost kind of wonder which will do better for him. And that's for them to determine for them to be, you know, you know, uh, anointed as being the guy and get Zane Gonzalez out of there and allow them to know that, allow him to know that, Hey, listen, you're allowed to make mistakes in practice, but you need to work on your craft, so on and so forth. Or if it behooves him to more so have that competition factor there and have Zane Gonzalez be there until maybe say like, uh, final cuts or something. So from an emotional intelligence standpoint, the team will just have to do that. They'll have to figure that out. You know, players have different personalities and traits and what, you know, works well for them and doesn't. But um, yeah, he's going to, he's going to need to succeed though. I mean, certainly I think it's interesting. This is somewhat of a transition, I guess you can say Steph 
still kicker related, but I think it's interesting that there's conversation in regard to, I think Matt Mayoko says something like it may um, uh, cause Kyle Shanahan to be more uh, aggressive offensively as it relates to getting to like, you know, the red zone or when you're in kicking range or whatever the case as, as, you know, going forward on fourth down, as opposed to, you know, just selling for the field goal. I thought that was kind of counterintuitive and kind of interesting, right? Because like, <laughs> Me too. I was like, yeah. why would you draft a kicker in the third round to not trust him? Right, right. <laughs> and so that's and but it's so weird, right? Trying to decipher things. And I know that's the season that we're in, but um, but but it, that that was kind of strange. And you know, and especially with you know Mayoko's proximity to the team and stuff, a lot of times people believe that he kind of like is kind of giving insight into what the team really thinks and what they, you know, how they feel. But at any rate, yes, thinking that just I would I was concerned the complete opposite. Right. I was concerned yeah. that, you know, there would be uh, a lot of confidence in Jake Moody. You know, grander should be getting him drafting him that high and that that would, you know, give cover to Shanahan to just rely on kicking the ball as opposed to maybe going for it and be more aggressive on fourth down. So. Yeah, so it'll, you know, regardless of what anyone says or, you know, it'll be, we'll just see it all play out on the field and see what happens. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very interested to see what's up with this, though, as, as strange yeah. as that may sound. <laughs> no, really. I mean, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting storylines, like, throughout <clears throat> this season, like, just yeah. how Jake Moody does, at least for 49er fans, we're all, like, you know, really waiting to see. Uh, what he's going to look like yep. when it's all said and done. Uh, but let's talk about Steve Wilkes, because uh, on Friday he also spoke with uh, the 49ers media. Surprisingly enough, it, this was his first presser um, as the new defensive coordinator of the team. And so we got a lot of, like I think, great answers uh, from him and just got some good insight on what he plans to bring uh, to this defense and also – uh, you know, what players are are kind of catching his eye, right? Uh, one thing that I know some people, you know, kind of held on to, one of the words he said, <laughs> he'll be making calls from the booth, not from the field, which, of course, is different from the last few years that we've seen with uh, Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans, both very, like, animated guys on the field. They get their guys pumped. And so Steve Wilkes, he's going to be in the booth upstairs uh we won't get those like on field uh you know reactions but i you know some people are like well why not that sucks that's not good um i, I, I like think it's it. fine i yeah. i like it too as steve wilkes he comes from the secondary background when when you see things from up above and this is why all 22 exists too right like yes. when you see things from up above uh, there's more that you can see, especially when it comes to the secondary thing, because you uh, you could see the spacing better. You could see the timing of everything a little bit better. And if he's going to be making calls, uh, you know, based on some of the things that he's seen, he's going to have to be able to see those things well. Right. So I'm, I'm totally OK with this. Yeah, I am going to miss some of the, uh, you know, pumped up antics on the field from Sal and D'Amico. Right. But two completely different styles of coaching, I think. Uh, as far as like demeanor goes and whatnot. Uh, but I think Steve Wilkes brings a lot to the table. Johnny Holland, the the current uh, linebacker coach, I think will probably be his eyes on the field. Uh, so the, they'll still have someone uh, there. But I mean, what'd you think about this, Chris? Like, did it bother you at all to know that he wasn't going to be on the field? 
Not me in particular. Um, I think he's from the old school. Um, and I think a little bit, I, I may have that old school mindset as well. Now, not that, not to take anything away from coaches like Robert Sala or D'Amico Ryans or other coaches that are either offensive or defensive minded that like to be at field level. I agree with you. I think that you do get, get a feel for, you know, from a defensive and even, even an offensive standpoint, whatever, what, what's happening better with that bird's eye view. And again, I realized that, for instance, like, you know, um, you know, you have offensive assistants or defensive assistants that are in the booth that can relay down what they're seeing or whatever. But in real time, he's going to see it. Right. So I, I like it better. Honestly, um, I was more I'm more kind of uh, familiar with, you know, uh, OCs and DCs being up in the booth. And having that, you know, he does say he, he says he gets animated though. So there may be clips to the to the uh, to the press box where he's maybe up there doing doing some stuff or getting excited or getting pissed off. Well, I'll be excited to see that because I like emotion from the coaches and stuff. Or maybe he's on the phone like chewing someone out or something. That'd be cool, but um, but not too much, obviously. But no, I, I'm not I'm not bothered by it. I like I got I got a good vibe and good feel for Steve Wilkes. Um, always known of him as an assistant coach and obviously the interim at Carolina at the end of last year. Um, I, I have a pre great appreciation for his journey and learning more about him and how he's come up from, you know, small community college ranks all the way up through. He was talking about, you know, he's like, I, I always dreamed to, to do more, but I never, you know, thought it would you know, become a realization for, for a host of different reasons. Um, but really, you know, I just like his mindset about just get, getting putting your head down and going to work. Right. When he was when he talked about the disappointment that he possessed from um, um, not being, you know, kept on at, over at Carolina, essentially just, you know, saying, hey, you know, I have my faith, you know, and I believe that I have the skills necessary to be a head coach. Obviously, it wasn't in, it wasn't a good time. But <clears throat> as soon as the Niner opportunity came, you know, um, available he said this is this is this is what i want to do you know uh, this is this is where it's at so i think it's definitely a blessing for us um and i i suspect it will be for him because i think he's gonna have success in, in santa clara and san francisco um and uh you know hopefully he doesn't leave us too soon hopefully we get a couple years out of him but um i think he's gonna do well i i, I like to speak a little bit to some of the things that he talked about that's cool stuff yeah 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 so I really like, you know, his straightforwardness, right? So, you know, he he point blank said, you know, when he reviewed tape on Drake Jackson that, you know, he found Drake Jackson to be inconsistent, right? Um, and again, everyone has their different style, but I think maybe previous coaches may have maybe said that a little bit differently. Oh, he, you know, there's some plays he would want to get back or opportunities to grow, or whatever. He just straight up said inconsistency. You know what I mean? I like yeah, that. Kept you know it real. He kept it real. Yeah, kept it real. Exactly. No, I, I like that. I love that. Um, and, you know, still spoke about the potential that Drake Jackson has still, still has, you know, spoke about the confidence that he has in them, but he didn't mince any words. Like, and that's, that's what I want to hear from a coach, you know, the coach speak. I can't, can't stand that stuff. Um, I'm excited about, you know, he essentially said that Isaiah Oliver is here to be the nickel, which I think is cool. Mm -hmm. Um, that he looks forward to like, you know, deploying different blitz packages for him and such, uh, he also mentioned, though, like he spoke to like basically if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. right so right. I think, you know, something that was mentioned, um, you know, from when Chris Kosarek was part of his was part of Steve Wilson's interview and some of the things that the other players had said is that they kind of wanted to maintain and Shanahan said this, too. They kind of wanted to maintain what has made them successful, which I think the offense is going to look similar in that regard. But 
I, I get the impression that there may be some creative like coverage looks though, right? Because he spoke yes. about, yeah, deploying like man here or, or zone there or, or a combination of both. And, you know, the secondary is kind of his, you know, sweet spot. That's his background. I'm really excited in that regard to, to really see the intersection between um, the skill sets that he identifies within the secondary players and even the linebackers for that matter as well. Um, and um, the scheme, like I'm really interested to see, you know, how he gets the most out of those guys um, on the back end. Um, Cause Kacerik, you know, those guys are locked down, right? He's got those guys, mm -hmm. you know, being successful, you know, on the front. Um, so that I'm really excited to see how this defense is going to look. Yeah, me too. I think, you know, overall it'll probably be, more of the same, but with some new wrinkles. And I yep. think some of these new wrinkles are going to be things we haven't really seen before from this defense, like more aggressiveness. He talks about, you know, blitzing, right? And I think Jair Brown could find himself, you know, blitzing as early as this year, right? That they, they could find a role with him there. Maybe even like Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, we see more blitzes from them. Teleno Hufunga, right? So they have the pieces. I think they're just going to be a little bit more creative with them and uh tony's question here with wilkes can that we expect to question. see the defense make more picks i absolutely think so and i think part of that reason is because if you look at some of the guys they've brought in like through the draft for example jair brown daryl luter uh you know both of those guys i think are known for being you know pretty aggressive in their approach as defenders and jared brown he's a ball hawk so i think that's definitely something that's going to be you know kind of there, there's going to be a greater emphasis on that. And I, you know, honestly, I think D'Amico Ryan's did a great job with that last season. Um, and he did kind of implement that into like training camp and in the practices, you know, just making those guys, uh, I guess, more uh, ball savvy. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that's something with the secondary background that Steve Wilkes has. I, I think that's something that, you know, we're, we're going to see more of and probably maybe more disguising of coverages, things like that. I do have the clip of him talking about the different coverages. Uh, that question came from Grant Cohn and, and Steve Wilkes just answered it to perfection. So I'm going to play it right here. Played zone coverage at a very high level for a while. Uh, talking to Darrell Luter Jr. yesterday, the rookie, he said he played mostly press man coverage in college. Is that an element you'd like to incorporate in this defense a little bit more? I, I think you have to explore and experience, uh, experiment with everything. You know, uh, my background is diverse in, in zone as well as man. And I think it can change each week based off your opponent and who you plan. Do I feel like we have the skill set uh, to play more man? Yes. You know, at times, do I want to be a little bit more aggressive with the talent and athleticism that we have at linebacker? Yes. Yeah. Just I'm straight forward. Like, that, but like, you know what I mean? Just like, I love it. Yeah, and, and I liked what he said about, you know, I, I think it could change based on, like, who we're playing. Like, it could change week to week, and I, I like that especially because I think you do have to have that adaptability in the NFL and, and based on who you're playing because you're going to get different looks from different teams, right, as far as, like, what they're uh, implementing on offense. And so you need to kind of change some things around based on that. So I, I love the approach. Um, and it, it means that it'll, it'll make it harder for offenses to prepare uh, against the 49ers because you're not just expecting one thing. It's not just going to be like, oh, like they do this every week. This is what we're going to see. You know, they're, they're kind of going to have to, you know, not guess, but you, they'll be more, I, I think, uh, 
diverse coverages and all that. So teams are going to have to prepare for that. So that's something I'm really excited about to see the secondary. Like finally, I guess like, you know, Sala, D'Amico, great coaches, but not secondary focused. And I think that was kind of evident, right, in in their time here. Um, So I'm excited to see the secondary, I think, like, you know, make make a leap. I agree. And, and even beyond that, everything you just said there, in addition to, to answering Tony's question, I think that um, interceptions will, you know, you know, either improve or stay at least where they were, which they were great last year. But I think they, they have the, there's an opportunity to, you know, get in, you know, getting even, excuse me, getting even more balls because um, the pass rush is going to be better. I think the pass rush is going to be better. Um, Eric Armstead was out a large part of last year because of injury. Um, Javon Hargrave, of course, you know, we brought him over, you know, um, you know, Jake Jackson, I think is going to be a more impactful aspect. We got some, you know, re- you know, Chris Kosarek has his reclamation projects that are, you know, bound to break out because that's what they do. You know, he gets people from other squads, you know, ends and D linemen and, you know, get makes them more impactful in the Niner defense. So, um, and I, I don't know, I just have a feeling, I think we may still grab someone that's still lingering out there later on his training camp is come, going along and, you know, get them on some uh, on a cheap deal. There's some there's some edge rushes that are still lingering. I know, I know, Zadarius Smith is gone, but you know, we can talk about that later. I'm I'm over it. But um, at any rate, uh, yeah, I was I was kind of I was kind of gunning for Zadarius Smith. I know people have mixed feelings, but I would have loved him in, in San Francisco. At any rate, I think the pass rush is gonna be better. So obviously, that will you know help the defense in the back end as well to be able to get those tips and overthrows and um, you know. Uh, those, 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 that coverage. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's right now, I think it's somewhat of a bold statement to say that the pass rush will be better, but I like it. Cause like, yeah. I, I think a lot of people just look at how many guys the 49ers lost in free agency and assume like, Oh, like they, they haven't done enough to, you know, recoup some of those guys or like replace some of those guys. But, you know, if what they're saying about Steve, uh, Steve Wilkes, if what Steve Wilkes is saying about Drake Jackson, if, if that's true um, and, you know, some of the things he said, he, yes, he was inconsistent much of last season, but he also had some good things to say about Drake Jackson. He said he saw a lot of talent, a lot of skill set, someone that needs to really get a little strong, get a little bigger. But he's noted that, Drake Jackson has been there all spring working out, doing the things that he needs to do to improve his game. And he has gained a lot of weight. So if you're, it's obviously the team is banking and expecting on Drake Jackson to take that sophomore leap. And I I think he could do it. I mean, especially under another year under Chris Zurich, I I don't think it was, yes, it it was a lot of conditioning things, but the talent is there. And we know what Chris Kosera can do when he has talent. Drake, he's just 22 years old. He, in last season, he played at 273 pounds. So if he's putting on more weight, let's just see what he can do, right? I I think, uh, yeah, if he becomes a, a, you know, a bigger piece of the pass rush, I, yeah, I, I think the, they very well could be better. Um, this season, but a lot to look forward to with this defense as always, you know, I mean, we're very fortunate to have a team with a really good defense and they, they lose guys, they lose coaches and still, you know, we we can have this excitement about this unit. So um, I'm really excited to, to see what the year brings. 
Um, Keith says Steph Bosa will be getting paid soon. Yeah, hopefully. You know, it's funny because like you would think there'd be so much more talk about this one, but it's kind of like the Fred Warner signing, kind of like the Kittle yeah. one where like it's very low key, very, you're not hearing a lot of reports about it, which is a good thing. You know, I think it's a good thing. They, they don't need the distraction, right? So hopefully, yeah, sometime before training camp would be ideal uh, to get a deal done. But uh, any time around that range, I would expect. Um, Chris, we didn't get to talk about the schedule last week. Um, you know, I, I gave my prediction uh, last episode. I, I said uh, at least 10 wins is what I gave this team. Uh, have you thought about your prediction for this season? I like that. I do like where you're at with that. Yeah, I got. I saw that. Um, and I like how you did it. So. I this is a 12 win team. This is a 12 win team. Okay. Right. And it's like, you know, that's how I feel about the team as constructed. The um, and I honestly, like, I <laughs> we can go down a rabbit hole. We don't have time for that. But even with the quarterback circumstance, right? This is a 12 win squad, right? Mm -hmm. And I have feelings in my heart as to how I think it's gonna play out, but we'll see how that goes. Um, and with our coaching, just our culture, how this team, you know, um, has had success. Um, and I believe that this team can win. I, I would say the floor is 10. I'm not saying yeah. necessarily the ceiling. You can do anything. I'm not saying that saying necessarily the season is, is, is 12. I mean, the ceiling is 12, but I think 12 is that sweet spot in my opinion. Um, and, but my, my challenge, right. My challenge with saying that is, and I, I, I'm sure every fan base can say this, but, um, we drop games that that we have no business losing. And that's what the difference, that's what makes you that 10 win team instead of that 12 win team, right? right. Um, that's where my that's why going, you know, wins and losses game by game and stuff is kind of somewhat of a challenge for me. And honestly, I would kind of like to look at um, I need to dive into what the schedules look like prior to some of these teams playing us. Like you just tweeted yeah, earlier, like an insane um uh stretch of four weeks that for instance the Eagles have, right? Um I'm not sure what part of the year that that was in, but you, you tweeted that earlier. So that, that kind of helped would help me give indication as to, um, you know, how, you know, really kind of like how these matchups would bode for one, one team or the other. I will say that um, I was excited to see, you know, an early Thursday night game to get that out of the way. Then I was like, damn, we got a second Thursday night game later in the season. <laughs> so I, I was not excited about that. There's, there's pros and cons with that, right? You're on a short week, but then those players call, you know, they consider that like kind of like a mini buy, if you will, afterward. Um, I was really worried about the, with having so many East Coast games, um, yeah. how those would be grouped. If they'd be a lot of like back-to-backs on the East Coast and such. Um, so we don't really have too many of those, but so I'm thinking, I'm thinking 12. I think 12 is that sweet spot. If um, it's going to be some competitive, some competitive games for sure. The schedule is, is not going to be easy. But uh, I think we're, we're going to have a good indication. No one will be able to say that the Niners haven't played anybody next year. That's that's going to be impossible. I mean, with the, with like the way that. that, yeah, with the way that the, 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 um, the schedule is constructed. So um, and I'm about it. You know, let them get battle tested. Let them see some good quarterbacks, um, even from the AFC. Let them see some good people and and um, show, them, show them what the deal is. We just got to figure out this quarterback situation, so. <laughs> yeah, that that may take uh, all off season. All hopefully not all season, but off season for sure. 
Um, but Chris, thank you so much for joining me oh, today. Thank you, Steph. thank you guys in, in the comments. So uh, you guys watching for tuning in, staying with us here, make sure you like this video. If you haven't yet, uh, make sure you subscribe if you haven't yet. Cause we got more content like this, uh, to come, you know, Chris joins me every Monday. I'm going to have shows throughout the week. Once, you know, the season gets going and all that, once things start ramping up. So, uh, appreciate it guys. Have a good rest of your Monday and your week. Peace.